For player profiles, in-depth features, and exclusive interviews, visit sfhandbook.com to learn more about the best young football players in the world. Hello and welcome back to the latest instalment of the Scouted Football Podcast. Uh, I've got a little bit of a triple threat today. Uh, myself, Stephen Ganavis and Lou Davies uh, will be on the podcast. Uh, three scouted stalwarts, some might say. Uh, and we're going to be discussing uh, the UEFA Youth League, um, which is sort of a, an under-19 Champions League. Um, it's uh, it's currently at uh, the semi-final stage of this year's competition. Uh, last year it was um, it was cancelled due to the, the COVID pandemic. Um, but this year they've got back to, to a reg- regular schedule and um, yeah, it's been it's been quite an enthralling um, season uh, of, of of youth league football by all accounts. Um, lots of new names, um, lots of names that will uh, undoubtedly become um, first team players in in future. Um, and yeah, Lou and Steve have been um, have been ruling the roost over that, uh, and I'm, I'm delighted to have them them both on the pod. So guys, welcome back to the uh, to the normal podcast. I, I know you're uh, you're regulars on the um, on the Patreon pods, and, and you've been covering. The, the youth league uh, quite extensively on Patreon, haven't you? Yeah, so yeah, we've been uh, every every match day, been uh, going through and, and doing some uh, pretty detailed write ups on on some of our favourite performers from uh, any given match day that we've seen. Obviously, there's probably you know during the group stages like 16 games or whatever it is on, so we can't obviously get to every single one. Uh, but I feel like over the over the journey, we've seen. A little bit of most teams and uh yeah got a better idea of the the new crop coming through uh which uh has, yeah it looks to be another very very good one yeah i agree with stevie there uh this is the first time that we've actually devoted like proper proper attention to the youth league as well it feels like so yeah it's been really fun to uh to really drill down on some of the players a lot of the teams we've watched probably god knows how many hours of uh football over the past well, since the start of the season. So, yeah, it's been a fun experience and uh, hopefully something that we can build on going ahead with Scouted Football and uh, into the summer and beyond. And sign up to the Patreon so that you can read all of the reports and also we talk about it uh, quite a lot on the on the podcast we do every week as well. So go check that out and sign up. Yeah, it's it's always been a competition which has always been been on my radar or been on our radar, but it's just finding the time and the resource to um to actually cover it extensively yeah. like you two have. And um I have to say, you know, reading through each week on, on the Patreon has been really interesting. I mean, lots of players that I'd never come across before. Um and just for, for people who aren't aware of it who or who might be aware but don't know the format. It's sort of a a Champions League for the the under nineteen teams, and um, it starts out with sixty four teams. You've got two pathways. So you've got the Champions League path, which is just an identical group structure, group stage structure, the same as the Champions League. Same teams, um, the under nineteen sides um, play each other, corresponding to their the senior teams. Um, and you've also got a domestic champions path, which is where you've got 32 teams drawn into two rounds of two-legged um, home and away ties, um, you know, the, the old UEFA Cup style. Um, and they are the, the sort of the the equivalent is the, the winner of the under-18 Premier League um, would would go into the, the domestic champions path if, say, for example, um, their senior team didn't qualify for the Champions League normally because then they'd go into the 
Champions League path. But 32 becomes 16 and then 16 becomes 8 uh, after the second round. And, and at which point they're, they're then drawn against the runners-up from um, the Champions League path groups. So if you're still with me on that, um, <laughs> then it's, it, it, it's, it's quite complex to think about. But um, I think, it, I mean, you know what? Go and have a look on Wikipedia. That's how I. That's how I figured it out. So, <laughs> but it's a it's a great structure as well because it, uh, you know, obviously gets the Champions League teams, which most of them are also going to have some pretty elite level academies. Your mm. Manchester Cities, your PSGs, your Ajaxes, etc. But it also throws up some very interesting teams that come through the uh, Champions path. So uh, this year we had Empoli come through, and they had a nice run. Uh, eventually played uh, Borussia Dortmund and lost five three, but gave it a a really good go. There was Deportivo La Coruña who were in there as well, who senior team aren't doing so fantastically these days, but uh, the the youth team made it all the way to the to the UEFA Youth League. Uh, Midtjylland as well, more teams like that. It was, so it was, uh, yeah, some really interesting interesting games. And a lot of those kind of teams did did quite well and knocked off uh, some big teams. I think there was uh, Gilena knocked out Inter, I yeah. believe, as well. So uh, yeah, it, it always throws up some some interesting results from from some teams that you don't normally expect to be competing at such a high level in the senior game. Yeah, exactly. It, it's just like a, it's a, just another pathway for for players as well in a way. So like you see with uh, Jelena now, they they lost out in the uh, round of sixteen on to Salzburg, who are a much uh, much big much more reputable club. Uh, they lost on penalties. So yeah, and you get like these bolter teams. I think Genk have been one of our favourite teams this uh, this tournament as well for me and Steve watching. As as they were, came the, were pretty good as yeah. well, beating Arzad Villarreal well. on penalties and taking Juventus to penalties as well. So yeah, plenty of teams that yeah their senior team wouldn't normally make the Champions League, but obviously it's a strong academy structure and their teams are very competitive at this level. And I suppose yeah. there'll be lots of these players who who are in these teams, in these bolter sides, who will then go on to play senior football for those clubs, but also senior football elsewhere. I mean, you know, you look at sort of the the I don't know, past winners or historical performances. You know, um, Barcelona won it in 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 two thousand and fourteen with the likes of Munir uh, El Haddadi, um, Tony Sanabria. That's a blast from the past. Um, Adama <laughs> Traore. Um, and then you've got you know some really really strong Benfica teams over the years. You know Gonzalo Gedge in 2014, João Felix in 2017, Gonzalo Ramos 2020, um, and obviously as you would probably expect with Red Bull Salzburg, you know the um, the, the structure there, how they effectively use Liefering as their under 19 team, um, and the players who come in go to Liefering first, or and then play for the under 19 side in the UEFA Youth League. You know, the likes of Karim Adeyemi, Luka Sucic, uh, Junior Adamu, all having lots of UEFA Youth League experience. Um, but in terms of past past winners and, and sort of alumni and that sort of thing, Steve, I mean, who has been sort of the, who, who's ruled the roost effectively over the past few years since, since the Youth League's been a thing? Well, probably the one team that kind of stands out as a very consistent uh, contender at this level uh, is probably Chelsea, and you know that's probably that shouldn't really be a surprise to anyone given the the quality of player that they've churned out over the years. I think Real Madrid have always uh, been very strong competitors at this level. Barcelona, as you would expect, and yes, Red Bull Salzburg, I believe, have won the competition. Uh, one of only, I think, I think there's been seven or eight winners. Um, and then the Portuguese teams, especially Benfica, are always pretty competitive as well. But uh, potential for a new winner this year. Uh, we've got some interesting uh, 
semifinals coming up in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, so, yeah, looking very much forward to, to a new winner because, uh, yeah, it's all good having the same academies doing really well every year, but it's good to see good to see someone new, especially seeing Juventus in the semi-final makes me happy. <laughs> mm, yeah, we'll we'll get on to sort of the, the teams who are in the semi-final uh, and, and just sort of a, a rundown of, of this season's competition. Uh, but as you say there, it's it's the, the Youth League this year is at the semi-final stage. Uh, those ties will be played at the end of April, um, swiftly followed by the final, I think three or four days later um, on the 25th, but you might have to correct me on that. Um, but yeah, currently three teams have made it to the semis. Um, obviously, Juve, as you mentioned there, um, Atletico Madrid and, and Red Bull Salzburg. Um, the fourth team is yet to be decided uh, because due to the Russian invasion of Ukraine, um, Dynamo Kiev, um, their round of 16 tie with Sporting is yet to be played for, for obvious reasons. Um, and the winner of that would have played Benf- or, or will play Benfica in the quarters. Uh, and then the winner of that tie against Benfica would play um, Juve in the semis. So um, still a little bit up in the air of that. Um, depending on when you listen to this, that may have, may or may not have been played or decided at the yes, outcome. It's due to be played on the on the seventh. So. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that fixture obviously due to be played. But depending on when you're um, when you're listening, um, that is that that's the, the situation behind it. Lou, I mean, in terms of teams that have that have excited you or, or surprised you or you know caught your eye this season, um, you you know you were talking about the likes of Genk, for example. You know, are there any? I mean, I mean, I know, I know that the current top scorers in um, in in the youth league this season are both Midtjylland players, uh, Mads Hansen and, and Aral Simshier. Who, who's? I mean, as a team performance, who's who's caught your eye? Um, I mentioned Genk. Genk uh, were a good team. I enjoyed watching them. They came through the domestic champions path, obviously, and they were ultimately knocked out by Liverpool. A bit unfortunate to do so as well, but they had uh, the likes of Luca Oyen, who's now breaking into the first team. He looks like a well, he is a standout talent from that group, and. He's the the leader of the Belgium and the 19 group at the minute. Um, another Belgian team that I've, well, that I think that me and Steve both enjoyed watching was uh, Club Brugge as well. So uh, if you're not familiar with the structure they have there, it's uh, fairly similar to Red Bull Salzburg in, the, in that they have a B team uh, in the lower leagues of the Belgian uh, football system. So last season they were playing uh, in the second division this season, I think they play in reserve league football. But nevertheless, you could see that a lot of the under nineteen team from the youth league uh, had played together for club NXT as they as they branded. And yeah, in terms of like the overall quality of their team as a, as a collective, you could see that they were really well coached, really cohesive. Uh, they played as a proper team, so they played with a four three one two shape, and they pressed really well. Uh, and in terms of standout talent from there, you had uh, Cesar Sandra and Lintodor, who are, again, similar to Luca Oyen at Genk. They're breaking into the first team setup at uh, Club Brugge. And uh, yeah, it's just, they were probably my 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 favourite team on balance. I'm not sure what Stevie will have to say about that, but yeah. Yeah, I'd probably throw in, definitely throw in PSG. Uh, so mm. much top level, top line talent in that team. Javi Simmons, uh, Warren Zaya Emery, who was uh, 15 years old and completely bossing uh, every game he played. Uh, Edouard Michou, uh, Garbi, uh, Jedi Gassama, a few players there that look like they definitely have, uh, you know, senior quality 
uh, at a pretty pretty high level. Uh, and then also, I'd probably say outside of Juve because of my bias, Sevilla were a really, <laughs> really fun team to watch as well uh, with the the man we dubbed the mini Maradona, Carlos Alvarez up front uh, <laughs> alongside uh, Antonio Zazana on the wing and Juan Lu, who looks like a really, really good midfield prospect as well. So uh, I'd throw in those two, possibly a little bit of Atletico Madrid coached by none other than Fernando Torres. Um other than that, I feel like the English teams are a little bit weaker than normal this season. Um, Dortmund were a good watch as well. Anyway, there were, there, there's there's lots of good teams, so I could probably go on for another fifteen yeah. minutes on yeah. all the different uh, different clubs. But we can uh, yeah probably move on. You, you touched on the English teams there. Um, Club Brugge and uh, PSG were in Manchester City's group, uh, and it was um, PSG going through as group winners, so automatically going to to the last the last eight. Um, and then um, Club Brugge, who finished second, who went into were then drawn into the the playoff um, round with with the, the the teams from the domestic champions path. Um, Man City finished third in that. Um, and one of the few games that that I did watch of the the youth league this season was the City Club Brugge game, which ended five uh, three to the Belgians. Um, and yeah, Cisse Sandra got two in that game. Uh, Lint Odor, as you, as you also mentioned, Lou, uh, he also got one in that one. Um, and a player that I'm very, very fond of, um, James McAtee um, from uh, from Manchester City, he got a hat-trick in that match. Um, and uh, after about 65 minutes or so, you, you thought, well, this is just, this is Man City, you know, flexing their, 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 their muscles here. But um, a late comeback, um, sort of led by Cisse Sandra, kind of, Kind of put the put the citizens to the sword, um, but on PSG as well. I think you know we put out a, a thread on on the uh, on the account um, the other the other day, um, sort of a, summarizing some of the um, the key players from that team who were of, of real interest. And you've mentioned Warren Zaire Emery um, playing in midfield, doing really well. Um, I think the the quote that I've got here is advanced, rounded skill set, effective in every phase. Um, started all but one game for a good team at 15 years old. Um, which in under nineteen footballs, you know, shouldn't be sniffed at. Um, but um, that that PSG team, I know that um, there's El Shadal uh, Buchiabu, is uh, I yep. think I may have pronounced that correctly. He yep. is um, he plays centre half and he is unmissable purely because he just the size of him in sort of youth football is just incredible. And that Steve, mm-hmm. I know you've um, he got sent off I think in one of the games against against Club Brugge, but um, you've uh, you've you've raved about him once or twice. Yeah, well, he's got a big reputation coming into the the competition because he played some uh, senior football, I believe, or been in and around the the senior setup. He's probably he didn't play every game, so it wasn't possible to really get a good grasp of exactly what he is. He definitely looks like a guy that's uh, I'd say he's probably what six six something like that. He's he's a massive massive guy. Um, definitely plays his size. He looks a tad clumsy. Um, but yeah, again, center backs are always hard in these kind of settings as well. Uh, just because one, they're still young and they obviously peak much later. Uh, but two, it's just hard to really evaluate center backs off watching, you know, two or three games as opposed to watching a midfielder or, or an attacker where you can really see them taking control of a game, even if you only watch them for, for, for a half or for 90 minutes. So, um, yeah, he's another one There's probably, as I said, six or seven players in that squad that rolled through uh, that could probably play top five league football uh, in the future. Um, 
and to think that that team got knocked out in the quarterfinals, how good some of the other teams must be as well is a yeah, frightening prospect. Uh, I mean, just looking at some of the storylines, um, I mean, we'll, we'll come back to, to PSG and maybe, Lou, you can tell us a little bit more about the... Um... The, the, some of the other players in that in that team, you know, your, your Javi Simmons and Edouard Michut. Um, but, you know, there was some great crowds um, at this season's um, uh, fixtures. I mean, there was 19,300, I think, at Westfalen Stadion um, for, for the yeah. Dortmund uh, Atleti quarterfinal. Um, El Nino, Fernando Torres's kids in that one, uh, as you previously mentioned. Um, Mini Maradona, uh, Carlos Alvarez at Sevilla, who you've also uh, mentioned as well, Steve. I thought that was great. <laughs> You know, 2003 born. Um, I think he's exactly the same height as Maradona as well. Um, you know, <laughs> a little bit stocky, you know, um, yeah. but very, very creative and, and you know, protects the ball really well. Um, and then um, Paolo Agostino. I think this is my favorite. Um, so he plays for Sporting on the 19s. Uh, and he was, for, for what reason was it that he was playing in a club branded was... swimming cap? Yeah, it was because he cut his head open and had to have stitches. So they they uh, they slapped the swimming cap on him to protect the stitches, and then it um, it happened again in the Champions League a couple of weeks ago. With uh, was it Nicolas Otamendi for Benfica against Ajax? I think he was wearing a club branded uh, swimming cap as well. So it's definitely a uh, Portuguese physio thing. I was going to say this. That seems. I mean. It must do. It must do the, the business because clearly they. I mean, they stayed on the pitch. But it, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. It makes yeah, a lot of sense, really, because like when you think about people bandaging up the heads and stuff, and like just slap a swimming cap on it. It's easy. <laughs> I just love yeah. that they've got club branded ones as well. Though. That's probably <laughs> the best part of it. I know that the Portuguese cl- uh, clubs are like sport clubs in every single sport, basically. Um, so that's probably why that's they have point, it. But yeah. it's just funny nonetheless to see it. Yeah, that, I mean, that was something which I wasn't watching that game, but I saw one of you guys tweet it and I just thought that is so peculiar. <laughs> just, it's just something you don't see. The whole the whole tournament itself is just kind of good vibes, though. Lots of goals. As you said, there were a few games where the crowds really turned out. There was one uh, Club Brugge game where they had the ultras roll up about five minutes into the game and uh, PSG as well. Uh, there was a couple of games where their notorious uh, ultras, a, a group of them, uh, rocked up. There was a bad one where Atletico against Real Madrid, where I think it was some Atleti ultras were singing racist chants at some of the Real Madrid players. But mostly, apart from that, uh, it was generally, yeah, very good vibes. And yeah, these games are always fun to watch if you've got a spare couple of hours, mostly a lot of goals, some interesting defending. Uh, but yeah, some some a lot of the time, a lot of good quality as well. Just to build on that point of fans, like... When you have uh, stadiums that are full of twenty thousand plus uh, plus plus fans, like there was in uh, Borussia Dortmund against Aleti, and then uh, Deportivo La Coruña played against uh, Dean, well, they played the whole uh, UEFA Youth League campaign at home at the uh, Riazor Stadium, but then against uh, Dinamo Kiev, they had I think it was twenty one thousand, which is the second biggest capacity crowd ever in. Uh, in uh, UEFA Youth League history after Krasnodar against Real Madrid a few years ago, you might remember. But yeah, um, it just it, it enriches the, uh, the the match experience and the player experience so much for the players as well. Like you can see, uh, I think it was in maybe PSG Sevilla where there was lots of kids on the sideline and they were really getting on top of the Sevilla players and you could see that the Sevilla players are starting to get frustrated by it. And then uh, the other one that sticks out in my head is... Uh, in the Dortmund Aleti game, uh, the Aleti goalkeeper, his his glove basically exploded, 
and um, he had to walk to the sideline. And he was like, he was uh, cupping his ears to the to the fans, to the Dortmund fans, and yeah, it's just, it's just like a, it's a key learning experience for them. Yeah, little quirks like that, you know, it's, you're not going to get that with you know twenty spectators or, or playing behind closed doors. So yeah, no, I think that's that's a very valid point, and that's that's what I was going to mention. I was going to mention the game at, at Deportivo, and I'm glad that you um. <clears throat> Glad that you absolutely nailed the pronunciation of Riathor, um, because uh, that I was, I was waiting for it because I was like, oh, actually, hold on, maybe I'll, I'll just get I'll get a few pointers on how to pronounce this correctly. Um, but yeah, I mean, we'll we'll go back quickly to that um that PSG team because um you 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 put a thread out on on the account and there was a, quite a few other players there, not just uh, Zaye Emery or or Bichiabu. Um, you know, there there were some re- other really interesting players and certainly some that we'll we'll be hearing from. Um, a lot over the over the coming years, I feel. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think the probably the standout was Xavi Simmons. Uh, I'd never watched him before uh, before coming into this tournament, so I, I had a, quite a few expectations. I always considered him to be a, a deeper lying midfielder. That's what he seemed to be when he was a uh, well, he at was the peak though. of his height. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So that that's what I thought he'd be. I thought he'd be someone that would be pulling the strings from deep, but it. He was at the point of the attack. He was like a link forward and uh, pretty much doing everything for PSG in attack in terms of creativity, linking, play and transition. He was a, a goal threat with his technique. And yeah, he was a standout. I think Stevie loved watching him as well. We've, we've, we've written a lot about him on the Patreon. Uh, the other one then, you mentioned Bichiabu. Uh, he's another guy that had a bit of a reputation coming in. Uh, and then... There was Edouard Michou. He looks like a uh, like a nice little creative passer. He's played quite a few times for the first team already, similar to uh, Simons. And then Ayman Kari was, was probably. I think yeah. Gassimo was probably the one that had that I'd never heard of before because I'd heard of Michou, Bichabu, and and Simmons. But uh, yeah, he's been Gassimo's been linked with Dortmund as well now. Uh, but yeah, really electrifying kind of direct wide forward. Uh, coming in off the left, and he was yeah very very deadly. Did a job on Man City as well, um, and yeah. But as he's as you know, Lou was saying, there's probably he could keep rattling off the names. Iman Kari in midfield, as he was just about to say, was was really impressive as well. Bojang at, at right or left back, uh, the captain of the team was was superb as well. So uh, yeah, a lot of you know. <laughs> As we as we you expect PSG Academy delivering again, just the question marks now is whether uh, any of them will get first team minutes apart from Simmons. The thing is, though, I think they'll get a lot of first team minutes elsewhere. Rather, I think we've seen before with PSG that there's there's a, a pretty pronounced talent talent drain there. So I think I'm, uh, we mentioned Ayman Kari. He was a standout in midfield next to uh, Zaira Emery. He was 16, only turned 17 in November. So uh, he's out of contract this summer. Simons as well is out of contract. So he's got a big decision now. I think he's going into his age 19 season off the back of a really uh, a really good way for youth league season. So he's got a big decision now in terms of where next, what he's going to do, whether he's going to try and carry this momentum onto a maybe a smaller side and build from there or go to, as maybe Minariola will probably want him to go to a big club with a big pay package, and yeah, yeah, it'll be the same kind of dilemma as a player like Yassine Adley had a few years ago, where he actually yeah. eventually did opt to re-sign and then was sold with a, a hefty sell-on clause six months later to Bordeaux. So I think there'll be players that see that kind of thing and just go, 
you know what, I'm just going to go sign somewhere else, get minutes. And like someone like Simmons is kind of ready to just break out and have a really, really good 100%. senior season next year. I think there were already links to Rangers a few months ago, but I think he's probably a step above that level. And we've seen him go into the, the PSG first team already this season and be really impressive. So I think there's a good move for him out there somewhere. Uh, and hopefully, yeah, he, he gets it and, and can start to strut his stuff on the, on the senior stage. To any Chelsea fans listening as well, Xavi Simmons should not be confused with Xavier <laughs> Simons, um, who also plays UEFA Youth League football, is also 2003 born, is also a midfielder um, and has an incredibly similar name, but is a different player altogether. <laughs> um, I remember being down um, watching an under 23 Premier League, a Premier League 2 game, an under 23 fixture, um, and I saw his name on the team sheet and I thought, how have I missed that? So I was I was I was looking around for for Javi Simmons's sort of curly blonde sort of locks, <laughs> and uh, and then I, I discovered that no, this was not in fact the Javi Simmons that I was that I was looking at. Um, it was a completely different one. So um, yeah, different different player altogether. But Simmons, um, all the same, very um very exciting prospect. I think it's fair to say. Um, we've discussed PSG there. Obviously, they've been knocked out. Looking to some of the teams who are still in the competition, Steve, um, you very kindly put. Uh, an annotation on our little plan here. Juve being really good after putting a lot of resources into academy setup. Um, I would very much like to hear more about that. And I have a feeling that you're probably going to mention Fabio Moretti. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. It's been a long time coming. Juventus have been in this competition a few times and have kind of been not good at all. Uh, but in recent seasons, uh, with the introduction of their team into the third division in Italy, the under-23 team, uh, the, the club has gone and put a lot of resources into into improving the academy setup, uh, integrating more foreign talent. Uh, so this season we've seen uh, the team beefed up, not just with the great Italian players like uh, Gabriele Mulazzi and Fabio Miretti, who are under-19 internationals, but the, the club has gone and got uh, Felix Inzwango from Amiens. And I think they spent $3 million on him. Uh, Tariq Muharemovic is a Bel- uh, Bosnian under-19 international who they uh, signed from Wolfsburger in Austria. Uh, just, to, yeah, a really... And then also Matthias Sule is another standout player who's been uh, in and around the first team this season who they got uh, on a free from Velez Sarsfield a couple couple seasons ago. So a lot of resources have been put into improving uh, the academy setup and the team plays really fun interesting football led by uh, Miretti in midfield who just looks like another level uh, not just what we've seen from what we've seen in the UEFA Youth League but also in under 19 Euro qualifying this last uh, couple of weeks in the international break uh, in a game against Belgium he was just looked at a completely different level to just about every other player on the pitch apart from Luca Oyen who we talked about earlier so uh, yeah, really great generation coming through uh, at Juve. Uh, and yeah, Miretti also had his first uh, minutes in Serie A the other day. So uh, he is a name to track very closely because uh, I think he is one of those players ready to, in the same uh, mold as Javi Simmons, ready to have a big breakout very shortly. Yeah, I mean, it's 
I haven't watched any of the UV games, but um, by by your accounts and by what you've been writing on the Patreon, um, it's it it does does sound as though that that's been the the scenario that you know the the fruits of their labour have um have definitely paid dividends. Um, Lou, in terms of some of the players that are maybe still in the competition, um, who to you know who people could maybe look out for if they're going to go and tune into one of the semi finals at the end of April or, or the final, um, who would you have your your eyes on? Uh, I think. Quite a few of the uh, the the Juve boys, as Stevie mentioned, I think Muharemovic looks like a, a really good centre back. Uh, Sula and Meretti, obviously as well, they're the standouts of the group. Uh, in terms of the other ones of the other games, um, Salzburg have a it's it's not a vintage group that they have, but it's a it's a very practical group. Um, they have uh, Rocco Simic who they signed from uh, Croatian football. I think it was Lokomotiva Zagreb last summer. They signed him for three million. And he's very much a, a Red Bull striker in, in his appearance and style. Like he's he's quite rangy. He's very aggressive in his movements. He's uh, He stretches the pitch, but he can link play as well. Uh, he's, one to, he's one to watch. He's had a decent UEFA Youth League season. Relied a bit too much on penalties. But um, yeah, you can see his quality. Uh, who else from Salzburg? There's um, Dion Camry, uh, yeah, another little live wire of a of a of a centre midfielder, another one that's built in the Red Bull uh, model in terms of how he plays, where he plays. So like he's a he starts deeper, but then he pushes forward. He's a he's a very um, a, uh, tenacious presser. He's got quick feet around the box. He can link play. He can he has that eye for a pass. Which is uh, crucial to the way that Salzburg play, especially in the uh, the transition based style they ha- that they have. They have um, Salzburg also have a left centre back called uh, Lucas Valner. He looks like a he's the captain. He looks like a high level talent. Um, who else? Maybe Aleti, Stephen. Yeah, Al Jabari. I think at 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 Leti is probably they're more of a you know war of attrition at Leti, yeah. just like the senior team is, but. Al Jabari up front is a kind of just a really looks like a guy that'd be really annoying to play against kind of attacker that's very mobile, looks to stretch the game in behind, presses pretty strongly. Uh, apart from that, there's Kuras, who's an interesting Kuras. little technical midfielder, but he doesn't always start. Um, yeah, and then other than that, probably in the other three teams, Dinamo Kiev. Uh, sporting and Benfica. I haven't really watched a lot of the Portuguese teams. There's Lucas Diaz for Sporting, who's a Canadian Portuguese left winger who is uh, interesting. And then uh, I think you've watched a fair bit of uh, Samba Diallo for for Dinamo Kiev, who's been really really good. Yeah. And they were yeah. clapping Barcelona in the group stages and doing really well against Benfica as well. So uh, if you want to expand on him, possibly. Yeah, Samba Diallo. So he's a he's a. They bought him out of Senegalese football last summer, and uh, he's of the same generation as uh, Pat Matassa. You might know him from Mets and now Spurs. Uh, he was impressive throughout the group stage. They had another uh, a winger called Voloshin. I can't remember his first name, but he's like another low sock sort of dribbly winger. Uh, so between Diallo and Voloshin, those are two to watch for Dinamo now on Thursday. But yeah, I think just to expand on the point of Dinamo, it's 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 good that they have the opportunity to to carry on the tournament uh, in spite of what, what what's happening over in Ukraine because they 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 were one of the uh, 
the better teams throughout the group stage and they picked up some uh, pretty big scalps. So hopefully they can put on a show on Thursday now and uh, maybe progress. Yeah, Samba Diallo is, is someone who I was aware of uh, in this in this competition. Um, and I mean, that was mainly due to the fact that domestically he pretty much, um, he's, you know, he's averaging more than a goal a game. I think it's 12 or 13 in nine or 10 games, uh, league under 19 league matches this season for, for Dinamo Kiev. Um, and and obviously with his five goals in the youth league as well, you know, he's, he's doing, he's doing very well. Um, it was an incident. Um, I think it was in a, in a domestic game um, not so long ago. Uh, Lou, I remember sending you it that he sort of, remember he lost his head um, at, uh, at, <laughs> at an opponent and just kind of just a, a, was absolutely having none of it. Um, you know, started to, to, to <laughs> would you say lash out is maybe the, the wrong term or, you know, was it just kind of, he does seem yeah. to have a bit of a fiery streak in him, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, he's quite small as well. So he's, he's he mm. packs a punch. Like uh, he's, he's fairly similar to Marnie in some ways and how he plays off the left and he can come inside and shoot off his right foot and he can stretch the pitch a bit. But yeah, he has that bit of a bit of an edge to him. Yeah, thinking thinking ahead then, um, in terms of after this this tournament um, is finished in at the end of April, um, in June and the beginning of the very beginning of July, um, there will be the under nineteen European Championships, um, which um, it's it's great to see that the that these tournaments are coming back because over the past couple of years we've had lots of cancellations, lots of postponements, lots of uh, lots of youth football being kicked into touch. Um, and it, they're, they're incredibly valuable competitions um, because they're not easy to qualify for. Um, so it's, it, you know, it, it's a good it's a good platform and it's a good um, place to showcase, you know, some of the, the best and brightest in, in Europe for their, for their national sides. Um, so, yeah, under 19 euros will be, um, I think it's the 18th of June it kicks off. Um, and you know the likes of uh, likes of Italy, the likes of England, uh, likes of France are, are all going to be there. Um, but you know a lot of these players who are playing UEFA Youth League football at the moment and, and this season, um, they they they're probably going to be included in the squads there. So um, it's a good opportunity to maybe get get a head start on on some of the players who will be um, who'll be appearing at, at these um, these these youth international tournaments. I don't know if you want to add anything on on that, Steve. Yeah, they're just always really fun tournaments i think i think the under 19s is probably like the the peak fun level (laughs) of these youth tournaments i think the under 17s they're probably just a little bit too unrefined yet in terms of their quality uh and everything can just be a little bit too chaotic Uh, and then under 21 level you've got a lot of them are already kind of senior ready bodies senior ready players that you know are just having a, a kick about at admittedly still a very high level, but it's, you know, very similar to what you would expect to see in a senior game. Whereas I think this kind of level hits the sweet spot in terms of still bringing, uh, you know, that kind of little bit of chaos and a, a lot of attacking that you expect to see uh, in youth games, but you can see the progression to that senior level uh, all kind of happen before your eyes. So yeah, it's looking forward to this tournament. Obviously, uh, the tournament also acts as qualifying to the under 20 World Cup, which will be happening uh, next year, I believe the under twenty World Cup is in Indonesia, so I might go to Bali, and I'm pretty sure there's games in Bali, so I might need to plan a little hol- holiday around that one. Dust the passport off. Yeah, that's it. Uh, so yeah, lost to I think uh, France qualified with one of the last kicks of the game against uh, Bosnia the other day. Um, yeah, Italy knocked out both Belgium and Germany. 
so yeah, it's not easy to qualify, and so you know that the the teams that actually make it to the to the final stage are are really really high quality. Yeah, uh, just to expand on that, I'm I'm really excited to to start watching it because it's been what now since 2019 was the last time these tournaments were going on, so that's quite a long time ago. Now. That's three years ago, so. Yeah, really excited. We'll be covering it in full on uh, Scouting Football. Not sure whether it'll be on the website or the Patreon, but yeah, keep an eye on us. We'll be we'll be all over it. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, definitely keep an eye out for uh, for the the final instalments of the uh, UEFA UEFA Youth League uh, write ups uh, that Steve and Lou have been doing throughout um, this season. Um, they will be they will be on the Patreon uh, following. The, uh, the the semis and the final at the end of this month. But um, gents, thank you very much for joining me on this. Um, I've I've had I've had a lot of fun uh, listening to all these new names and um, and 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 listening to to you two sort of wax lyrical about your favourite stories of of this year's youth league. Because as you say, and as, as we keep reiterating, it is a fun tournament. It's lots of it's football in the middle of the day. You know, it's just yeah, it's it's um it's another opportunity to see the sort of the next generation of of, of young players. So um, yeah, thanks for thanks for coming on. And I will add that there are more names we haven't mentioned in all of our roundups that are on the Patreon. So go <laughs> sign up and you can read all of those. And likes of Alex Larry at Rangers, uh, plenty more. So yeah, go check those out. Good plug, Stephen. <laughs> yeah, thank you very much for, for listening to the Scouted Football Podcast. I've been Joe Donoghue and this has been UEFA Youth League with Stephen Ganawas and Lou Davies. Uh, stay safe, take care. Bye for now.